Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. And joining us this evening from south of the border is our foreign correspondent, John Van Berger. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Not too shabby. Uh, not too much going, well, yeah, not too much going on here. Well, we're trying a brand new absinthe. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm not doing much, but, uh, my daughter <laughs> was down at Niagara College, which is about an hour and a half from us, Niagara Falls, Canada, Canadian side. Uh, down that way is Dylan's Distillery and they have an absinthe there. And for those that don't know, like, I like my absinthe and my tequila and whiskey, but big into the absence and um they had a this this is a teaching t- uh, college this uh, a distillery mm-hmm. area i mean all colleges are teaching colleges that's the whole point uh but the um they have this teaching distillery there that they teach them how to become distillers to big stuff how long a course is it i have no idea you interested? I am, just for the fun of it. Just for the fun. You, you got a still at home, don't you? I do. See? You could be making this for me. Is that, is that legal up there? <laughs> Shut it's, up, John. It's for essential oils. <laughs> you make essential oils, John. That's what yes, it's for. Yes, it's for essential oils. Whiskey oils, oh. vodka oils. <laughs> it's technically not legal. Rye oil. Isn't it really? No, you can't distill your own liquor. So, all right, so do we need to bleep all any this members, part? Well, no, it's for essential oils. It's for essential oils. So you got your own essential oil still, right? Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John. <laughs> I was just going to say, if any members of law enforcement are listening right now. <laughs> yeah. If the FBI are listening right now, we're north of the border. <laughs> yes. Nab, nab John. <laughs> He's Thanks, our guys. accomplice. <laughs> anyway, um, mo- the majority of the absents I get are like usually French absents. Uh, they're they're usually green. There's a Swiss one that's white. Spain has one that's red, and mm-hmm. it's usually finished with like hibiscus. Well, the Niagara College is. My daughter was there with some friends. They're doing they were doing the wine tour and stuff. And they ended up there. They actually have one of the guys from Dylan's is teaching. At this at Niagara College, yeah. yeah, and they have made a red absinthe. So uh, my daughter bought me a bottle, and uh, not too shabby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a nice. It's it was it's flavorful. Mm-hmm. It's not overpowering like uh, some absences that I have tried. They're they're. Can be That's a hard harsh. word to say, yeah. isn't it? Especially <laughs> when you pluralize it. <laughs> it's uh, so I've, I've found some that can be harsh, yeah. and like you really have to make it right. You have yeah. to slowly drip it over the sugar yeah. cube and so on. But uh, this one here, it's got a nice light flavor. It's uh, it has a earthy aftertaste. There is that, yeah. And I'm wondering if that's the hibiscus. Maybe. I'm going to send him a message and say, hey, because mm-hmm. I've not had the red one before. Yeah. So that's why I was, I was excited to uh, try this one and uh, 70% alcohol. So this is going to be an awesome show if we keep drinking. <laughs> well, um, I only had one drink. I'm done already. <laughs> so John's going to be doing most of the talking today. <laughs> and you're going to hear people in the background. Woo! Derek, put your clothes back on! <laughs> um... Yeah, so uh, Niagara College Teaching Distillery. And yeah, they got this red absinthe and uh, 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna send a little message and ask him because that, uh, that's the first thing I noticed. It was it was nice, smooth. It was wasn't overpowering. Yeah. But then you get that little aftertaste of like you say earthy, like an earthy undertone. And I wonder if that's the hibiscus that mm-hmm. uh, flavor. So it's not a bad. When I say earthy undertone, I don't mean it's a bad earthy undertone. It's, no, no, no. It's still no. a nice flavor. It's like yeah. it's a nice finish. It's not yeah. uh, it's not harsh on the tongue. It's not harsh on the throat. It's uh, it's just a smooth drink. Yeah, I've had some really harsh. Yeah. Absinths and. Uh, yeah. No, this one's this one's good. And this is their first batch too, so oh, yeah. I'll be interested well. to see how the uh they they go as mm-hmm. you know, batch after batch sort of thing. So yeah. So what else? Why is... was Ariane at the school? She's a booze hound. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, her one of her friends, um her Except friend's sister goes to Niagara College. Uh. So her tra- uh, my daughter and her friend were going down for the day to do hit some wineries, do oh, some okay. shopping and so stuff stopped like into that. The so gift store or whatever. They they headed over, picked up the sister and hmm. she's like right across the street basically. It was where Very she's cool. her her house she's renting is and they walked across and checked out a couple of things and oh my dad liked it. And she it. knew the significance of the red absence right away. Oh yeah. Well Starts with an A and ends in yeah. absinthe. <laughs> it's, she knows it's not yeah. one I've had before, so she mm-hmm. picked it up for me. Cool. And, Very cool. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was pretty cool. See, that's what happens when you have a nice daughter. She's my yeah. favorite daughter. <laughs> <laughs> She's my most favorite daughter right now. Yeah. She's my only daughter, but she is my favorite. <laughs> uh, what else? Um, you're still drinking beer from Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. And John, what are you drinking this evening? I'm drinking more coffee, man. But didn't you put something in it? Didn't you put <laughs> like it kind of rum dangerous or something? To drink that much coffee? I, I, I put a little, uh, I did put a little rum in because like I am just, this is my third bottom of coffee today. So I thought, you know, I better temper this just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing says, let's take the edge off of coffee by throwing booze in it. <laughs> a different kind of edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is coming to an end in three, two. <laughs> uh, so, <clears throat> Halloween at Mew Lake. Yes. There Interesting. Some, there was some confusion there, wasn't there? Was, there? No, there was no confusion at all. So, every year, they have uh, the first sort of winter camping thing. They have Halloween at Mew Lake, so everybody gets there. It's, it's one of the first big get-togethers after everybody's sort of finishing their paddling season. Um, this is up in Algonquin. Up correct? in Algonquin Park, yep. Okay. And every year ha- that I've been going, Halloween has been during the week. So they have Halloween at Mew the weekend before Halloween, right? So if Halloween's on a Wednesday, they hold it the weekend before yep. that Wednesday. Okay. This year, Halloween's on a Saturday. So I figured, hey, I'm booking the weekend. I got three three nights <laughs> at Mew Lake, and it was one of the last spots. Everything was booked. So everything was booked, so I got one of the last spots. And so no red flags going off. And then this week, we're sitting there thinking, and I don't know why I never checked the dates. Mm-hmm. I figured, Halloween, Halloween at Mew. Halloween's yep. on a Saturday. All right. Woo. Looking forward to it. Got the new <laughs> tent just in time. And uh, everybody's going, hey, I can't wait till this weekend. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Halloween at you. It's always the weekend before. Well, I thought you were up, I thought you were up there this weekend, right? And so I- No, because I'm on in the corner media. eating crayons or something. Yeah, there's nothing on social <laughs> media. And, and Mike Burns, he messaged me. He says, hey, uh, 
No, Sean didn't go to for Halloween. He didn't. I didn't see any uh, posts from him. I said, "Well, well, let me ask. He was supposed to have been there." And <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, because I'm in the corner eating crayons. <laughs> no clue what, what what's going on. And even people going, "Yeah, who's going up to Mew this weekend?" I'm thinking, "Oh, there's people going up this weekend too. Cool. That's that's awesome." <laughs> like. Oblivious. I'm changing my middle name to Oblivious. <laughs> Sean Oblivious. And yeah, I booked the wrong weekend. Yep. So Tracy and I are going to have a nice weekend with strangers, tons of people that we don't know. <laughs> Actually, I know that I know for a fact there's going to be a couple people up there that are, are going up as, as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> eh, what are you gonna do? Can't be perfect all my life. Yeah. I had to take one weekend off. <laughs> so yes, uh, we are going. <laughs> we are going up this weekend to, for a post Halloween camping for trip. A post Halloween <laughs> camping trip on. There's still going to be people so doing Halloween. It's going to be Halloween. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be a full moon. Oh, and a time change. Oh, uh huh. That's just like my Friday the 13th with a full moon at the crossroads in Clarksdale. <laughs> so, yeah, we just collect stuff like the weird things like this, occurrences. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was my big boo-boo of the week. Mm-hmm. Look at, oh, look at all these people going up there. Oh, they're going to have fun. I hope they're all coming up next week, too. No! <laughs> <laughs> oh! <sighs> yeah, yeah. What about you, Derek? What have you been doing? Oh, I'm, I got my nose to the grindstone at work. It's, uh, it, uh, consumes me. I need to retire. You're living the dream. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> the dream is to have a family. What is it? Two and a half kids or something like that? The nuclear family. The, the boy, girl, yada, yada, yada. Cat. How many cats you got? Thank God only two now. <laughs> so two cats is one is a half a kid so you got your two and a half kids yeah you got your house is it, you don't have a white picket fence though i used to i took it down all right so you're getting rid of the nuclear family <laughs> wife kids good job what more do you want i know right i want retirement yeah i know not good again happen fast enough uh i have not been yeah you know what this is in here just just going non-stop with everything here mm-hmm. get a bunch of the the honeydew list things done and you know, it just seems to be nonstop things to do. Yes. yes so yeah, I true. didn't get out this past weekend. I've been out in two weeks now, mm-hmm. which eh. somebody, however, has been yes. busy gallivanting, <laughs> gallivanting in many spots. Yeah. You went yep. snow paddling. Yeah. This, uh, past weekend on Sunday. I went out, there's a place near my home called the Big O Plain Reservoir, and uh, I was watching the Packer game, and we got to about halftime, and I was thinking, this looks like it's kind of in the bag, and I looked outside, and, and it was snowing, and I thought, you know, I wanted to get out while it's snowing, so I loaded everything up, and I went uh, went up to the old plane. And uh, on the way up there, of course, it starts to thin out again. I'm like, oh, come on, not again. Uh, But I got up to the lake and got out, uh, paddled out uh, a good distance, and then it started coming down harder. And it was was great. Mm -hmm. It was great. There was one person on the lake as I was getting ready to go out, and I hadn't pushed out of the, the dock area yet, 
and that was it. Like I had the entire place to myself. And this is a this is a big party lake in summer. There are all these, you know, summer homes along the shore, and it was it was empty. It was it was fabulous. Is everybody done for the season? Like you guys don't have anybody that sort of hangs around into the late fall and early winter. Some dude that lives no. by the river in a van. Yeah, that's John. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it was great. Um, got out there, saw some eagles, and you know, it was uh, and and quiet. You know, that's the other thing because this is a this is a loud lake, right? Yeah. But, that's um, not the one where the, where the the motorboat went by, was it? No, no. The Amish motorboat. <laughs> the Mennonite speedboat. Oh, boat? Mennonite speedboat. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that was farther up north. Okay. Um, but that's another place I don't go in summer. Uh, but it, yeah, it's uh, this was this was great. It was uh, started coming down and and just to be out there, and you know, it's all that joy of you know the beautiful quiet walk in the woods except better because you're paddling. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, no, you, you've paddled in the snow before. You know, uh, just like little bits, you know, coming down here and there, but never really got out where it was like, you know, coming down and, and intentionally stayed out in it. Oh, yeah? What mm-hmm. about you, Derek? I have. It's uh, It's not as special when you're freezing your butt off. <laughs> you're always freezing your butt off, though. <laughs> Like you could be on a beach in so on the equator, and you'd be looking for a sweater and a toque. <laughs> There's, yeah, I do tend to get cold, but anyways, I, w- w- that's because you're supermodel thin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Felt years back, I went uh, solo camping in Algonquin, Ralph Bice Lake, and uh, it was late, late in season, and uh, I, I, I was still learning about technical outerwear and stuff like that. Anyways, my, uh, the jacket that I had was like wearing a Ziploc bag. It's just, there was more moisture on the inside of my oh, jacket yeah. than on the outside. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. so it was, it was miserable and it was really wet. It had been raining for days and snowing and I couldn't, I could barely get a fire going. I had to put up a tarp. I was freezing my butt off. I cut that trip short. Oh. Yeah. We did a 10, But it snowed. I was in snow. We did a 10 day trip. Um, buddy Glenn and I, we did it up through Algonquin. It was to end up being 10 days. The, the beginning of the trip, we were like, like t-shirts. It was really nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's the one where we were in the marsh and there was all the fall colors, the, the reds, the golds and everything. And we saw wolves on the shore and they started howling. Oh, neat. And then a beaver comes up next to our canoe. Wow. And we're like, like this just has Canadiana written all <laughs> over it. <laughs> Uh, day, I think about day seven, we get up, it snowed that night. Um, and we, so we pack everything up and as we start paddling out, we come, there's this little, um, pinch point before you go out from a small lake into the big lake mm-hmm. and we get out there and total whiteout. Oh, wow. Just absolute <laughs> whiteout. And you're paddling and, and it's like, you can't see shore. You can't <laughs> see 20 feet ahead of you. You don't know. I mean, you're looking at your map, you know where you're going. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just pure whiteout and you're just like, no noise, no, it's just absolute peaceful. It is incredible how much of the, so you, you you normally you expect, you know, there's a lot of ripple noises and wind and this, that, yeah. but then in a snowstorm when you're out on the water. Nothing. It's like, it's, it's like you're in a sound room or something, right? Yeah. 
It's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, no, I've also been out where it starts snowing and then turns into an ice storm. Oh. <laughs> you know, and yep. yeah. That's pleasant too. Um, well, you know that big uh, photo that's hanging above our couch upstairs? Yeah. That's oh, yeah. taken at Penn Lake. Okay. And I, that was one of my first solo trips mm-hmm. where they were supposed to be, uh, maybe a little bit of rain, maybe yeah. nothing, nothing too bad. Temperatures above freezing. Cool. Off I went. Uh, that evening of the first night, it turned to a massive ice storm. Oh, wow. Next morning mm-hmm. I packed everything up. By the time I got back to the put in, I stood up and it was, all I can say it was like a chest piece from a suit of armor <laughs> on the front of my, I stood up and it just fell off this massive <laughs> okay. thing of ice right off the front. But yeah, I mean, that sucks, but I love paddling in snow. Mm-hmm. I love waking yeah. up and there was a, night, a light, not a massive dumping, yeah, but a nice light, you know, just enough to cover your, your, your upside down canoe mm-hmm. and a little bit, you can just shake off the fly of the tent and <laughs> you know, just that much. And yeah, paddling in it, that's awesome. You know, it's yeah. like, especially if it doesn't stay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, if you just got to watch out that it doesn't make the, um, portages and stuff all, all slippery. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so John, you gave us this little thing of notes here. Lesson Mm. learned about paddling in the snow. (laughs) Thicker gloves. Yeah. I took out, um, I had some. You're kayaking, right? What's that? You're kayaking? Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I took out some NRS, uh, fishing gloves. And so you can pull the, the tips of the fingers back and such. So for taking photos and stuff. So I thought, yeah, that'll be good. And, uh, but they're only two mil. And so I think, you know, I've got some heavier whitewater gloves that would have been perfect. Yeah. But, uh, I wanted to, I thought, nah, you know, I'm, I don't get a chance to go out and paddle like this much. So, you know, before the, the water is frozen. So, you know, I'll take some pictures. So yeah, that was the main thing. I think, uh, the other thing I learned is that the, <laughs> when I got over there, the, from the snow that was already falling, my straps uh, that had the kayak, uh, tightened down on the trailer. Yep. We're completely frozen. Oh. Yes. So it, <laughs> yes. it took, a, took a while to get out on the water, you know, to loosen those up. And so, uh, but yeah, I think, uh. Well, I, I learned long ago when you're paddling colder weather like that and there's precipitation, any straps, even that you can take off and leave in your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Cause I know a lot of people that just leave them hooked up to their trailers or vehicles and stuff like that. And then, yeah, trying to tie everything back down with frozen straps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. And then when your hands are cold too, you know, I, I had the yeah. straps and trunk while I was out, but even, you know, even that I, I got back in the car, you know, warmed up my hands again, got back out, put the next strap on and yeah, but uh, it was worth it. I mean, it was absolutely worth it. You know, Uh question for Sean to ask, John, you are a paddling <laughs> God. Do you ever get tired of being you? Are we actually what? using his script? He's he, Yeah, he's got a script here. He sent us <laughs> notes. I told him to send us notes on what he wants to talk about tonight, and he's put in questions for us to ask. John, do you ever I, get tired of being you? I don't, Sean, but what a great question to ask. Thanks for asking that. Hey, not a problem, buddy. I'm here for you. <laughs> <laughs> I spread it thin because it's a big farm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, you're the only one that's been doing any paddling lately, so... Uh, what know, we, oh, we carrying got you boys. What the heck? You know what? Before we get into your, your big paddling trip. Yeah. There was something we're going to, we're going to get Derek to yabber for a bit here. Yabber. 
Okay. Derek is going to yabber. Yammer, yabber. Um, and Jibber I know. Jabber. Yeah. So we have um, when we go when we when we're doing some research for the shows, we'll throw each other notes saying, "Hey, how about this? How about this?" And my question all the time is, "Well, what does that have to do with paddling?" And Derek sends me this one this week that says trekking poles. I'm thinking, dude. Yeah, so this was what does, this what, was heavily what, debated. What does trekking poles have to do with paddling? Well, unbeknownst to me, there's a bunch of uses out there that take poles and stuff. And you know what? As you're saying it, like, yeah, on a rest day, mm-hmm. um, sometimes you go on hikes. Yep. You know, you'll, you'll hike into the backcountry, stuff like that or whatever, from your campground, stuff like yeah. that, campsite, stuff like that. I ne- I've never, I never take one. Um, See, we, we make them. I I carve poles for the kids. And so they, on portages, they can, it's, it helps them with their balance on their portages because they're just starting to learn how to wear their own pack. Right. So I'm loading the kids up. The kids got like 20 pounds on them and, and, uh, and it helps with Siobhan because I I carry the canoe, so I don't use a pole. But uh, when I do just use a pack, I usually grab a stick out of the woods and use that. And see, I let the kids and Tracy go without, because if, if it's to help them keep their balance, you're just robbing yourself of entertainment when they fall. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> now, this is the, you're talking about the daughter that just got you the bottle of absinthe, right? Oh, now that I don't know where to get it, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> she was my favorite the other day when she brought it home, she, you know. <laughs> She's still my favorite daughter. <laughs> so you came across an article. Yeah. Um, it's the science of trekking poles. Yeah, which I didn't realize there was actually. Like, I mean, you also do the hiking too. Yeah, I do. So the this hiking is sort too. of uh, yeah. up your alley with that as well as as paddling. So I was I was a I was a hiker before I was a kayaker and a canoeist. Yeah, that so explains a few things. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so I, I've been using trekking poles for years, right? Mm-hmm. I've gone through many, many pairs of them. And so it, I just, when I read this article, it's just like, oh, this, this is actually pretty interesting, right? And, uh, it's, uh, it's, there's some stuff here that it, it explains the intuitiveness, but there is also stuff that is, it, that is like, oh, I never thought about that way. Right. So anyways, there's like, there's been a few studies on the use of trekking poles. And apparently like here, a lot of people don't use trekking poles when hiking and so on. But, and, and like, for example, over in Europe and Switzerland and stuff, you're kind of looked at weird if you don't have a trekking pole. So it's just, it's just what people have gotten used to in their yeah. own culture, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I, um, go ahead. Oh, I, 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 I oh, this is going to sound bad. I polled <laughs> some of my friends to ask them if they take trekking poles with them. Okay. And, um, not a lot of people did of the people that I talked to, but, uh, Scott Oath, who's, uh, the head of Bull Moose Patrol, which, uh, He's the guy that set up this Ozarks trip that we'll be talking about in a little bit. He said that he remembers laughing at Europeans with them in the 90s uh, on a trip through the Grand Canyon because he never saw people using them before, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, he says he won't do a backpacking trip without trekking poles now uh, because there are tremendous advantages to them. Yeah. But at yeah. the time, right? Um so, but see, on the Grand Canyon, there's spots where you, I mean, you're, you're, you're rafting down all day. 
Mm-hmm. And there's spots where you pull over that you can go down these slot canyons and stuff. So that's yeah. exactly why you would take one on a, a paddling trip mm-hmm. for stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that was my whole thing. I was like, why would you need these on a paddling trip? Yeah. Well, and then when yeah. you start thinking about it for things like, yeah, you could stick them in. I mean, and a, I mean, a lot of them, they, they yeah. collapse so low. You just throw them in the side exactly. of the pack, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and the weight, you know, and some of these, like the carbon. Oh yeah. You know, negligible now. Yeah. And also yeah, you can like nothing. use a, you can, if you have an old, if you don't mind wrecking your paddle, or if you have an old paddle, you can use a paddle as a, as a, you know, as a trekking pole, or you can use your umbrella if you leave it folded up as, as a trekking pole. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you are fancy. Fancy. <laughs> We're fancy tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, the only thing I would use a trekking pole is like getting hammered around the campfire and it turns into a sword fight. <laughs> <laughs> so what was this study that you, uh, so there's, there's multiple studies and this guy, this, uh, his name's Alex Hutchinson. He writes for outside online. And so he was talking about his, uh, Western plans trip in Algonquin Park. He, he was hiking the trail and, and so he's talking about using, you know, taking his daughter's stick and yada, yada, yada. But then he starts to get into the details. So he, there's, uh, in wilderness environmental medicine articles and so on. Anyway, so he's, uh, there's a few things that I found interesting here and I, I highlighted them in, in red for, to make them stand out. But, uh, so one of the things that's interesting is, uh, so when, when anybody's used to using trekking poles, it, it makes the hike easier. It makes the portages easier. It, uh, but it, what turns out is you burn more calories. So it's kind of counterintuitive. It's making it easier. Why am I burning more calories? Well, you're using your upper body mm-hmm. as part of the system for movement, right? And so there's a 20% calorie burn bonus thanks to the added demands of, of using the upper body, right? And uh, so a lot of people are like, well, why, why would I want to make it harder? Why am I working harder? But it's like you're you're straining harder to accomplish the same thing, but you know it's it's a better workout. Your heart rate, breathing, energy expenditures all elevated. But uh, as it turns out, it's uh, it's both physically easier and mentally easier. So there's a mental component too. You you end up you you use the poles and and you think it's easier. So it turns out it's easier. It helps you go that extra distance or right. or whatever. Because that's right? a big part of portaging is is like yeah. You got that big ass pack on it's your like back and eighteen hundred meters. Am I there yet? Yeah. <laughs> so so but the important thing is yeah. So it makes it feel easier, right? So even though you're burning more calories in the process, the poles seem to reduce perception of effort while you're going uphill with a pack. Uh, which is significant because, and you know, the scientists do argue that perceived effort is what determines the pace and your willingness to continue, keep going and so on. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know, like, I don't know how many times I've, you know, on a portage or something when I've got my stick, I've ripped out of the woods for, for a hiking pole, I'll use that and I'll lean on the pole and take the weight of the pack off my hips and lean forward. And it's just kind of your, the the pack is sitting on you instead of hanging off you. So right. it, it gives you that little yeah. physical rest break halfway through the portage type thing. So instead of putting your pack down. And then or, using that energy to get it back up. Exactly. Right. You know, okay. I suppose what you could do is you could pack lighter, but who does that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do I need to kick you out of this place right now? 
just bites your tongue. <laughs> and so it, what it does also do is it takes some of the load off your joints and muscles, right? So instead of your knees and your hips doing all the work, you're you're taking like a, a portion of weight every time you you huck down the pole under the ground. You're you're lifting and you're when you're climbing a hill on the portage or whatever, you're you're pushing with your arms and upper body. So you're taking some of the some of the mass off of your off your legs and you're evening out. You're you're redistributing the effort throughout your whole body instead of just your 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 knees and your hips and legs right mm-hmm. so it does it, it kind of evens out the load it, it makes it somewhat easier so it uh, and as well it can like and this is uh, one of the times where it comes in pretty handy like if you're on a slippery portage yeah i've got my yep. tree limb for a pole and i'm going downhill i'm uh, you know, planting the pole and and resting down instead of slamming my feet down onto the uh, on the trail or like you know, trying not to slip, I put the pole down and I like, lower myself onto, onto the ground using my upper body, right? It makes it easier, especially when you have, you know, an 80, 100 pound pack, right? Yeah. Well, what if, what if you're going across a stream, creek or well, stream, yeah. right? It, it, All of a sudden you, you got that poke, to help you. And if it's, if it's sunny, I use the pole to poke the water, say, oh, there's a hole. There's, there's uh, you don't want to step in that spot. And what's between those rocks, right? So I use it for that. Plus, if you're balancing on rocks going across a stream, then the yeah. pole helps you maintain balance. Now, one of the, the one, another thing that, uh, like, uh, some people say is like, okay, so I'm using the pole as the uh, three points of contact. Uh, and so to help with my balance. So am I robbing myself of learning proper balance on a portage? <laughs> Where I could... uh, balance is overrated some days, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like you're not practicing that balance you're, you know, all yeah. the time. You're you're starting to rely a bit heavier on the pole, but you know it's in so many cases. Like I can remember, oh, uh, when I did the uh, the falls route with Mike this oh, summer. Oh, it's yeah. So there was a couple times where the stick that I had helped me. Uh, like I'm on a cliff face. Walking across, uh, somebody had chopped the log in half and thatched the log. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing on the log. I've got a heavy pack on my back and it's like, ah, and the ground's too far away to actually hold on to my, with a hand. So the pole was helping me maintain my balance, right? So I'm leaning into the hill with a pole and, uh, just instead of like being afraid of falling down this cliff face type thing, right? Well, and see, there's uh, also those portages that were pure boulders. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I, not to toot my own horn, but I've gotten pretty good doing the billy goat. (laughs) Rock to rock to rock to rock to rock over the years. But that falls route was nuts. That was, yeah. There was one point where I thought I was going, I, to this day, I don't know how I didn't end up with a broken ankle (laughs) stuck between those rocks. Yeah. But I ended up at the, at the end after rock to rock, 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 really fast. Exactly. Panicky sort of stepping. Both feet ended up rocks slid off oh. into empty spots <laughs> and boom, just like there was pure yeah. ground. Yeah. And I just stood there like, what just happened? What just happened? <laughs> How did that just happen? Am I not dead? <laughs> yeah. So like something like that, when you have a pack, that's just extra. Yeah. That, that's definitely a, a spot that you could use the poles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, that's, that's, that's kind of the thing that I came across. And when I read the article, it's like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. And there's the other thing as well, which I know John was talking about is tarp tents. Yeah. What? Tarp tents. How did we segue to, how did we segue to this? What do you, what do you use your tarp tent to hold your tarp tent up? Oh, a pole. Trekking poles. Yes. Right. There you go. So yeah. So if you've got the poles, instead of cutting 
Yes. A stick exactly, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You've got your poles. Yep. You exactly. know, that's, that's a lot of that sort of stuff. And I've also seen people, you know, they're use the tarp in their canoe and then there a couple of sticks or something yep. for, you know, instead of bringing a tent, you're using a tarp and your mm-hmm. canoe sort of thing. Well, instead of doing t- sticks, cutting down trees, you can just uh, yeah. use a couple yeah. of those, right? So, yeah. So I don't know that I'm ever going to get a set of, uh, I got trekking poles for my snowshoes, but. Yeah. I, you know what? I wouldn't bring an actual trekking pole into the backcountry. Mm-hmm. Like I will I'll look around at the start of the portage and look for like a broken down dead tree or something yeah. or, or a branch laying there. And, and sometimes you just find yeah, them. Yeah. They're, they're all over the place. So it, it's not like something I would add weight to the canoe and so on. I just use it for the trip and then I lean it against a tree at the end of the portage type thing. Yeah, for the next person. There's, but one thing I was always taught, never use your paddle as a. It's not good for the paddle. No. But no. I've done it. Unless it's old. Like yeah. really old. Yeah. Like broken, there's a big mm-hmm. crack going up the middle. It's about 30 <laughs> years old and you're still using it. Yeah. Old. It makes the tip of the paddle <laughs> all mushy. It does. See, I'm so. going to, I'm going to take the opposite uh, side of this here. And I'm going to say that. You're fired. Bait. <laughs> <laughs> based on my experience over on Isle Royale. Yep. Um, I, w- I, I am planning on taking trekking poles into the backcountry um, on my paddling trips. And the reason I'm, that I'll do that is, is what I'm thinking of is specifically is, you know, I thought they used, I thought they were affectations, right? I thought people had them more as part of a uniform than an actual tool practically and you know when you're talking about catching yourself and and the whole reason for me is catching myself on the rocks Mm -hmm. and so um i'm planning on definitely taking one out there because you know when i was out like in isle royale right i i a week out there i had no problems (laughs) i had the trekking poles with me the whole time i went down just to get water uh it was a rainy day and uh walked down to lake superior to get some water fill up a water bottle uh, no trekking poles and slid out and, you know, ended up crunching my back and having a zero mile day. Right. So for me, I think just having that there is, you know, I, I think it's, it's worth it for me now. In fact, I've even told my wife that, you know, there's this great pair of black diamond trekking poles that I'd love to have for Christmas. Jingle bells, <laughs> jingle bells. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, another close. thing. Ultralight walkers. Oh, <laughs> with tennis balls on the bottom. There you go. That'd help you in the backcountry. Um, lining a canoe and stuff like that. You got the canoe on one hand. Yep. And that pole mm-hmm. just as a second brace. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. If you're going up rapids or, yeah. sw- you know, you can't really paddle it sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. That, that would come in handy there too. So it does have its uses besides just hiking. I've just never taken and never even given them a thought till you brought this up and started saying, yeah, you know, like start the, you know, like if you're, if you have a rest day and you want to go check out, you know, go up the hills behind your campsite or something like that, mm-hmm. then you have those to help you sort of deal. And then you start thinking about the different spots you could use them. Yeah. I don't know why they're not, well, except the fact that they're heavy. Yeah. You know, um, or extra gear that mm-hmm. I mean, we're already extra, bringing enough yeah. garbage. Yeah. Um, right. so you leave the booze behind, take the poles. I you're mean, fired the... too. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people being fired this evening. <laughs> uh, yeah. So 
yeah, it might be something to think about uh, next time you guys are getting ready to do a trip is uh, maybe uh, some uh, trekking poles. Awesome. There is a there's a great YouTube video on. I think it's like if you Google how to use trekking poles like a boss, uh, it sh it shows actually sort of you know like a really good primer on how to use trekking poles because a lot of people don't realize that. And as as simple as that sounds, um, it's it's actually a really good video, and so I'd recommend that for anybody that's thinking about that. Yeah, what's it called again? How to use how to use trekking poles like a boss, like a boss. All right, yeah. maybe we'll yeah, uh, it's pretty good write a note here and. Uh... So can I read the question that Derek gave to me now? No, no. Oh, I gave you a Derek. Yeah, what? you sent me the question, Derek. As one of the smartest paddlers in the world. Do you think others should follow your lead and not use trekking poles on their paddling trips? And not? <laughs> no, I think you should use them now, he says. I think people should use... Well, you know what? I don't... It's not like I recommend people take an actual trekking pole. It's There's lots of deadwood on portages just to grab something out of the bush type thing, right? So, and, you know, it doesn't have to be anything, you know, pretty Super or fancy. Super duper. Or, yeah. Yeah. So, Carve a stick. Yeah. Carve a stick. <laughs> like a lot of the camping trips I've gone on with the kids, like we, uh, I carve hiking poles for them. Fancy design, stars and slashes and patterns and stuff like that. There's you a, know, we, we, we could have, have a, bucket a contest. Of, I have a bucket of them in the house. <laughs> we could like have some sort of contest and you can win your very own Derek carved trekking pole. <laughs> 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 but wait, now how much would you pay? <laughs> Like, like this it. post. <laughs> and if you can get 10 of your friends to like this post, your name will be entered. Yeah. <laughs> and you could win a Derek Carved. We'll just go, go out to my backyard. So now everybody's going to want one. They're going to want a stick. Just go to my backyard. There's a bunch of sticks, buddy. It's called a tree. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about paddling in the Ozarks. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. And welcome back. So, the current river in the Ozarks. What do we know about the current river in the Ozarks? We know that it's a 184 miles long. It's about 296 kilometers. And that's about it. That's it? <laughs> that's all I know about the Ozark River, the uh, current river in the Ozarks. See, because I'm, I'm a little surprised by that, because the question you sent to me that I should ask you 
read as follows. Sean, as the sexiest man alive, and with a brain the size of a planet, what can you tell the listeners about the Ozarks National Riverway? Well, let me tell you. The current river, it forms in the southeast portion of the Ozarks of Missouri. It becomes Mm -hmm. the seventh order of seventh order stream, which we can talk about later if you'd like, as it flows southeasterly along the O's, uh, out of the Ozarks into northeastern Arkansas, where it becomes a tributary of the Black River, which is a tributary of the White River and a tributary of the Mississippi River. Ninety uh, miles long. Do or tell. One hundred and eighty-four miles long. One hundred eighty-four. One hundred and eighty-four miles long. It drains about two thousand six hundred and forty-one square miles of land, mostly in Missouri, and a small portion in northeastern Arkansas. That's what I wow. know. It's nearly nine hundred feet above sea level. If you really <laughs> wanted to get technical. Uh, <laughs> other than that, the only other thing I know about it. Is yeah. it has the Ozark National Scenic Riverway. Yes. The first national park in America to protect a river system. Yes. Started in 1964. Good. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> and the fact that you paddled it. I did. You and did. It was amazing. Really? Yeah. It was. Um, Do tell. Uh, I will. <laughs> I thank you. <laughs> We are so smooth and professional. I can't even oh, believe it. Oh, the segues we can do are just phenomenal. Especially the more absinthe you drink, the smoother these get. I know, right? Ah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, <laughs> I'm on water now. I'm not even drinking absinthe anymore. I've switched oh, okay. to water. Okay. I'm still on coffee, so, you know. Uh, and Derek's not okay. even drinking. No. <laughs> I, well, I he's got to drive. So he's got to drive. So, yeah, yep. see? He's being responsible. So he's a good man. So you, what, when was that? Uh, about two weeks ago? Couple, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It was uh, a five-day trip down the current river, which is, uh, this is my first time down there paddling. And it's stunning. It is, uh, it's a blast paddle. It's spring-fed from some, I mean, we're talking huge springs. So they pump out millions of gallons a day. I mean, literally millions of gallons a day. Right. So the water is this, is clear, and it's this beautiful blue green. You can paddle up to a number of these springs as you're, you know, as you're working your way down river. So it's really unique because you you'll you'll kind of paddle up, and there's like this what looks like this kind of little whitewater stream coming into the main channel, and it's coming out of these springs. So really unique. You can uh, add in some scenic bluffs exposed rock faces uh, and a lot of caves which is another thing that's really cool a lot of caves down there so it, it's really a, a one-of-a-kind place now this is so i don't as uh, as as uninformed as this may sound <laughs> i always <laughs> thought the ozarks were farther east mm. like i mean this is this is west of Nashville, just, it's west of Nashville, southwest of St. Louis, southeast yep. of Kansas City um, in Missouri. Um, I always thought the Ozarks were east of like Kentucky. I, I nev- I've never really, you hear about them. You know, we, mm-hmm. I mean, up here in Canada, you've t- you, you hear about the Ozarks. But yeah. I've never actually looked to see where they were. Yeah, they are, it is a gorgeous area. Like you said, the southwest of St. Louis, about, you know, about two and a half hours, roughly, where we were. 
Right. And, you know, it's so it's it's I I can't even just you know it's it's really interesting because when I sent back you know like some of the Delorme the inReach check-ins or the Garmin inReach I guess it is now some of the check-ins about oh we're here whatever and you see uh, Jan would pull it up and there you know you look at the topo of it and it's like man this thing is nestled down in this valley in these high bluffs all the way down this thing and it's just stunning and so you know we went down there fall colors were probably just past peak and you know you're you're going down this river that is alternately uh, fast uh, at the start and then it starts to slow down but there are a significant number of strainers and logs that will keep you on your toes uh, it it moves around uh, quickly I mean there are a lot of very uh, fast corners and no portages or because it's in the US no portages <laughs> no portages no portages that's always a good thing yeah so you know it it was it was really phenomenal and you know like we were joking before it it became part of the Ozark National Scenic Riverways in 1964 with the addition of the Jack's Fork River too right and that joins the current at about the halfway point okay so it's, you know, it's one of those things you can go out, there's free camping on rock bars, there's no costs, no permits, and the biggest rule that they have is, you know, no glass on the river. Right. What Which about is, cans? That's always a good rule. Yeah. yeah, what, yeah. They allow so, cans? Oh, yeah. Because our, our big thing is no cans and bottles. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here... You know, um, like Sylvania Wilderness, which is up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, that's the same thing, right? So you transfer all of your drinks to Nalgene's or whatever it might be, uh, you know, plastic, and take those in. But but they do allow uh, cans down there, right? So you know, but yeah, it is. It's a it's a stunning place. The water is so clear, and in some places so blue. I I literally cannot tell you the number of times that I was just like, God, this is gorgeous, you know, and, and I have no idea how many times I said that during the week. Well, when you start to see that water, like, like so clear and everything, and especially when you start adding, because you, a lot of times you're thinking of the blue, blue water, you're thinking of the Caribbean, right? Right. So you right. see blue water like that in, in a regular place that you're, you're paddling. Mm-hmm. That just adds to it. It's just the, the beauty of it. So tell us a bit about the trip on how it all came to be. Who did, who did you go with? Was it by yourself? No, this was, this is something really unusual for me. This was a group trip and because of COVID and everything going on down here and, you know, the, the possibilities of what could happen during this coming cold and flu season, I thought this might be kind of the last chance to get together on an outing before winter. Right. So and one of the reasons I specifically wanted to go on this one was because it's run by Scott Oath of the Bull Moose Patrol. Okay. So the Bull Moose Patrol is, I'll give you just kind of a, a brief description here, but it's, Scott runs this, not, it's not just in like as an, a guided, you know, outfitting group. It is, he does that. He takes people on on these trips, and then he's taking them up to you know Northwest Ontario, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Maine, a lot of different places. But he also does a lot of education with it. And so, 
when you go out, for example, and you're sitting around the campfire at night, Scott will do these sort of little mini seminar, I guess you'd call it, and and which is really cool, right? So he's he's giving skills along the way. Okay. And then he goes and he will blog about these things. He'll post things about safety and skills and gear on his website, bullmoosepatrol.com. Okay. So it's a it's a very different kind of thing that he's that he's doing here. Right. And his trips typically fill up before he can really even get, you know, uh, a lot of notice about stuff out. His friends will fill up his trips. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, which is which probably says a lot because, you know, there are some of these like um, I'll tell you a little bit about these people because it was it was really a cool group of people, too. You know, there's one guy who's done something like 10 trips with him. Wow. So, you know, yeah, so it's pretty cool. So for me, this was a, it was a last minute decision, um, including even down to, uh, you know, which boat to take. And so I was trying to decide because the water is fast, uh, but it is also shallow. So I thought, well, I don't really want to take down a kayak, like a sea kayak or the tsunami I have, because, you know, you get caught in that and getting in and out of the cockpit can be a real pain when you're bouncing off rocks. Yeah. So I, I wanted to take that wilderness systems, that 14 foot pungo that I was bashing through the, the whitewater forest down in Texas that has that larger cockpit. Right. That way, if you get hung up, you can just step out. Step like out. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I had lost, however, the back hatch. So I went to Wilderness Systems website. Thought, okay, this is great. I'll just go ahead and you know pick up another one, and and I'll be good to go. And because it's an older boat, they were completely out of the parts. So, yeah. So I was like, oh, that's not good. Uh, but they had a little line on their site that says, if you're looking for older parts, go to topkayaker.net, and that they have a large selection of these you know older parts, older parts for a lot yeah. of. Yep, for a lot of confluence. Uh, vintage. Boats. Yes, vintage at this <laughs> point, right? I think I could almost apply for antique plates with this thing. <laughs> uh, so uh, I got a hold of them. Uh, they were able to get like right on it and send it out to me. And I, I picked uh, that up uh, actually on the way down south. And uh, it worked out really well. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, well, there was one issue with the boat we'll talk about later, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, it wasn't an issue when you started. <laughs> That's right. It, it became an issue it along the way. It became an issue a little later. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like uh, saying, this is Scott's groups with through Bull Moose Patrol tend to be uh, a lot of people that have gone out with him before or people that he knows professionally. He works in financial services. Right. Or people that he knew from playing volleyball. Scott's is like, I don't know. He's got to be like 6'6", six, six probably. He's a big guy. And right. played D- Division uh, one volleyball and uh, men's volleyball in college and and has played throughout the years. And so he brings, you know, a lot of these other athletes come on the trips with him. And uh, so it was... It was a fun group. It felt like um, it felt like you were joining a group of friends that put together an annual trip, sort of like the Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Without all the damage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So I felt like I was joining this group of friends, and and the great thing was that 
everyone was really cool. So I never felt like an outsider in there, you know? Um, so yeah, so you were, you were just paddling along here with them. Now, how many people were mm-hmm. on the, on the trip? There were a total of, including me, there were a total of nine. So there was Scott. Well, who, that was a big group know, then. Set this oh. up. Yeah. You know, and, and, and talking about COVID now and stuff, you know, this is one of the things that yeah. you know, be careful and, and things have changed, you know, and, uh, is how they put this together and what they do. But Scott, Scott ran this and then he, um, I had met him actually at a couple of shows, um, like Canoe Copia and, you know, some other events and, um, you know, very serious guy. And, and I thought very, very straight laced, you know, but it turns out that he has this really twisted sense of humor. And it turns out that a lot of his friends do too. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a, it was a lot of fun to be with this group. Um, he now, was helped out by, yeah, go ahead. What was the level? Was everybody the same sort of paddling levels or? No, no, they were, they were all over the board actually. And, and, um, you know, I think, you know, you, again, like I said, you get some people that had, you know, been out on 10 different trips with them and have been paddling for years. And then you had some other people that were relatively newbies. Right. So when we, we started, when we got to the, to the, uh, put in place after everyone's loaded up, he says, okay, well, let's talk about, the, you know, these different things. And again, because the water's fast and it's cold safety is, and that's one thing that he really promotes is safety. So he's, he's really going through this and he starts talking about, um, you know, different paddle strokes, basic paddle strokes. And I thought, oh, okay. So there are some, you know, there's some newbies on the trip too, which you know, I have zero problem with, right? Because we've all been there and it's far better to learn, you know, with people like Scott, um, than on their own on a river like this. Yeah. So, uh, he was helped out and, and I'll tell you about some of these other people because, because it was such a, a unique group. If that's, if that's cool with you guys, mm-hmm. there's a, he was helped out on this by a guy named Kurt Whitney and he's a Wisconsin guy down in Madison and an outdoor gear sales rep. For a number of companies, uh, including Big Agnes, one of my all-time faves, and Kurt's been paddling and guiding, and has a work resume that, like, you wouldn't believe in the outdoors industry. He's the cool thing about Kurt is that he's he's genuinely kind and he likes sharing that knowledge, and he's never a jerk about it. You know, he he works well with people, and uh, you know, so to have that kind of person, you know, with the paddlers is it's pretty much ideal. So a yeah. lot of times Kurt, Kurt would lead the group, Scott would run sweep and, you know, would, and they would both be working with people about, you know, how do you select the best route through this little section of rapids, for example, you right. know, or how, try this stroke and, and, you know, so that was, that was pretty cool. Well, especially um, if people are pretty new to paddling and stuff like that or don't have a lot of experience to have somebody more experienced just giving little pointers and tips and stuff like that and we've talked Mm -hmm. about that before that really makes all the difference you know because if you're struggling paddling and then somebody can go oh no 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 no, try this and it totally changes you know makes things easier you're going to enjoy yourself more right and you know and i helped out too i'd paddle along and yell at them like every time I saw him do something wrong, I just scream at him. You know, it, it was a lot of fun, and they enjoyed it. <laughs> well, that, that brings up a question, there, John. Um, yeah. 
So, you know, like, uh, as Sean said, you truly are a paddling God. So I'm wondering (laughs) why would you ever go paddling with mere mortals? And as a follow up to that question, um, (laughs) given that you are also a flawless physical specimen, how did everyone manage to keep up with you? Well, it's, it's all a, good questions, I must right? say. That yes. John, I mean, you came up with. I'm following the script. I'm following the script. But I think I, 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 I think I read it quite well. Like you it was did, natural. You did. Bravo, bravo. Sean wrote that for you. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate your, I appreciate your confidence. Uh, Actually, your mom sent it down. <laughs> so now answer the question. You know what? This Why do you paddle so- with mere mortals? Mere mortals. These people were amazing. I mean, it was cool. It really was. Um, it was a good time. The there were so we had was it one, two, three, four, five, six other people on the trip outside of you know the trip leaders and myself, uh, and from sort of all different kind of walks of life. It's with Scott being the you know the connecting point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, guy named Justin Wilkie, who's a software engineer, and I liked Justin a lot because he shared beer with me um, <laughs> and really good beer, in fact. So, you know, that should tell you how nice he is. Yeah, there you uh, go. But he's also the guy that went on like more of these bull moose trips than anyone else. He's something he's done something like 10 trips with them now. Wow. The Will Paulson, who paddled with Justin as uh, a physician, really nice guy. He was kind of quiet, but then he would come up with these, you know, something really funny that would you know, around the campfire, for example, that just, you know, basically drop you to the ground laughing. It's always um, the quiet ones. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, you know, given my ability to hurt myself, I was very pleased that, you know, there was a physician on the trip. Um, this was his second time out. There was Andrea Servina, a volleyball referee, a, a professional volleyball referee. And she had been on one trip previously with Scott. And uh, Andrea would, like, bust my chops about the kayak and where and and i was hanging up in a lot of different spots right i had a deeper draft and i was grounding out so she was harassing me about that and eventually though that would become you know a big issue there was uh the last two kind of uh, paddlers from the minnesota area uh one was jessica menden she was a sales director and that was her first trip with bull moose patrol um like these other people, very, very funny. And, uh, you know, and also had, she got down that, <laughs> there's a, when you pass other kayaks and canoes on the river, a lot of them had sort of this laid back Missouri paddling style. So they're laying back kind of on the boat. They've got their legs and feet up on, you know, the front of the kayak and just kind of floating down the river, right? And uh, she kind of got that down once uh, she and and uh, her boyfriend John, who accompanied her, she kind of had that down. But you know, uh, very very funny, uh, very funny person. So John, her uh, boyfriend that she brought along, also fit in well. And they took a lot of it was the thing with all of these people too is is you could actually see, particularly like jessica and john who hadn't done a lot of paddling uh particularly river paddling and uh, you could just watch them improve daily you know right. so which was cool too right so they started taking a lot of the more adventurous lines in the river once they got more comfortable paddling there and uh you always kind of wonder you know when you're on a group trip like that and if you've got a couple or something 
you know, and the energy there is wrong or whatever. That could yes, be, yeah. Yeah, right? Um, these two together were so funny, and they'd be giving each other grief, and, and the energy was like it was more humor than awkward. And uh, so that was great. And John was a, he's a hockey player. And he also gave me beer, by the way. Um, so he's my new life coach and hero, you know. Um, uh, but again, these people were all from uh, the Minnesota, or, you know, Minneapolis Twin Cities area. And the last gent that was there was uh, uh, Caleb Brown. He's a financial planner from the Atlanta area. So he had flown in, grabbed a car and came down and, and met us. Uh, he was a rookie on these trips. It was, this was his first time out. And one of the things, you know, because he's on Eastern time zone, right, and we're all central, he would get up earlier than everybody else. But rather than just kind of hang out, he'd go out and would get the morning fire going for people. So, you know, that was really cool. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Right? You know, and I think that says, you know, kind of a lot about who he is. And and I asked him, you know, I I talked to these people later and said, well, what's the best thing about this trip? And he kind of said what everyone pointed to in one way or the other that it was just unplugging and being out in nature yeah. you know that especially right now with everything going on down here right oh yeah, um, yeah. so not ha- not hearing the news not seeing anything and and just to be able to get out and you know relax was was key so this was the group uh, good people and uh, a lot of fun to paddle with well, it sounds like you had a, a good, fun time. Now, you guys hooked up with Ozark Outfitters? Yeah. The um, Ozark Outdoors Riverfront Resort is their official name. Okay. And there are uh, Bear Bass is the owner of the place. And Kurt Whitney, uh, the outdoors rep, the gear sales rep, does a lot of business with him. Right. And so when Kurt said, oh, yeah, we're going to be down in your neck of the woods, he said, oh, you can stay here at the resort. And we'll get a shuttle for you, which was amazingly cool, right? So instead of us having to shuttle and move cars and load everybody up, uh, we had a shuttle that took us from their place in Leesburg uh, down to the end. We we had a drop down there, loaded up the boats, loaded up the gear, and then went up to a little place called Cedar Grove where we put in. Okay. Uh, and, and then they you just paddled back down to... Paddled back down to Van Buren and had all our vehicles waiting there for us. So there was, that was the other nice thing, right? We get got there, got out, and basically loaded up and ready to go. There was none of that, oh, now we have to drive another two and a half hours back north, you know, to, to pick up the other people's cars. Right. So that, that was fantastic. So a big shout out to Ozark Outdoors for, for helping us out with that. That was, that was really kind of them. That's perfect when stuff like that mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the weather like during the week? Weather, <laughs> it was perfect, man. Yeah? Uh, yeah. We had we had one day where at about five in the morning, laying in the tent, and all of a sudden the wind came up. And the tent is shaking, and you can hear things, you know, out in the woods. And, and uh, I'm laying there going like, what is going on? Because it's been, I mean, it's been perfect weather. It's warm. It's perfectly sunny, you know, rarely a cloud in the sky kind of thing. And uh, thinking, what is going on? And I, you know, I hear tents unzipping and people are battening down the hatches. And, you know, I <laughs> can hear Scott down. running down. Yeah. <laughs> Scott's running down to the water to make sure, you know, he's turning over canoes and making sure everything's good. And uh, 
you know, yeah, it was it was kind of kind of intense for a little bit. And uh, so I got up, made sure everything that I had was good. I looked at the kayak; it was you know still there, always a positive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then it started to rain, and it rained for you know about three hours roughly, uh, but very light rain for about three hours. And by the time we got on the water, it was I didn't even put my rain jacket on. It just it petered out. Yeah, it just petered out, you know, and so uh, so that was great. Um, it was good. It was really good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, there was a incident on your <laughs> trip because, you know, nothing can go smooth. No. There were Something's, several incidents, but. <laughs> but there was a big incident. Um, I was writing notes on my papers here, and I've mm-hmm. got a note that says boat hole. <laughs> boat hole yeah boat hole so <laughs> so remember that kayak i told you i took down there that lovely pungo that yes the yes. the what would it be over i think it's a 16 year old pungo now uh-huh. so it's seen a lot of use seen a lot of white water etc um yeah, I and I had it loaded down. Like I took a lot of stuff because I didn't know what I was going to need. When I talked to Scott, I said, "Look, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. So um, let's. This is going to be a last minute decision. I will take everything that I need, so I'll be completely self sufficient. So you don't have to worry about me at all, right? So right. I had this. I had this loaded down, and with the with the shallows, you know, you'd go over a couple things and you'd. You kind of hear it scrape, and you're like, okay. And then there'd be a couple where, it gr- you know, you get that grind. You're like, oh, that's yeah. not good. So wake up one morning, start paddling, everything's fine. And come around a corner, and there's these two uh, fishermen. They're in uh, wilderness systems boats, a couple of uh, shorter tsunamis. Right. And I don't want to get in the way of their fishing, so I cut around kind of behind them. Well, I end up running aground. Very, very minor thing, right? And it's just on these rocks. And so I, I back out and start paddling again. And all of a sudden I notice, ah, I'm starting to get wet. My you know, butt's the, getting wet. <laughs> yeah. And it was initially, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, my, my heels are getting wet. Oh, my calves are getting wet. Oh, my butt is getting wet. You know, and it pretty soon uh, I look down in the boat and, and I'm getting a lot of water. So, Probably every half an hour or so, I would go ahead and uh, I had the taken the the sea kayak pump with me, right? And so I just started pumping it out, and it was a lot of water. And so rather than try to patch it midday, I thought, you know what? When we get to the campsite tonight, we'll take care of it. I've got all the gear. I've got my oh shit kit. So you know, all the gear I need to take care of this. And you know, we get to campsite. We have a nice night. And then the next morning, get up, turn the boat over. And I've got, you know, I've got the headlamp, right? Because I'm going to shine it in the cockpit and see if I can find any little hole, you know, down yeah. there. And I turn it over and it's like, oh, guess I don't need the flashlight. Here's the <laughs> hole. It's about the size of a nickel or something, you know, but it's Ooh, right at a... That's a big a, one. It is a big one in a boat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was like so right was- un- uh, under the seat. So, so is it was plastic also just getting brittle? Is point. it that old that it's brittle? Uh, I think that was part of it, but I think it was just, you know, it just kept going over those spots. Mm-hmm. And and again, after 16 years of, of you know, heavy use. Yeah. Um, so 
I was going to go ahead and take and do what I did for that guy over in the upper Iowa River that we talked about earlier this year. Yeah. Takes that Lexel sealant, fill the hole, and then cover it with duct tape. Right. And so that should be good. And so Kurt uh, says, you know, he says, that's kind of the soft repair. I've got the, I've got the hard repair here for you. I got something for you to try. And he gave me a, a, it was basically a, like a sheet of, it's called, it's from a company called Gator Guard and it's called the Gator Patch. And this is like, I love this now. This is one of my new favorite things for a, for an emergency kit. It is, um, a sheet inside a foil packet and you cut out a patch to put over the hole. Uh, you know, you treat, you, you make sure it's clean and everything. You put this on and it cures by UV light. So if you're in direct sunlight, it takes five minutes. Right. If it's cloudy, it takes an hour, but Ooh. it sets up like rock hard. So we're getting up though. You know, we're breaking camp in the dark because this is late in the season, right? You've got yeah. limited hours. So we're waiting for the sun to come up over the horizon, then over the trees. And so, you know, I've got it sitting on there. Uh, I'm doing other stuff around campsite. Everybody's getting ready. They're getting ready to go. And I finally found a spot like on the rock bar where we could move it over and get it in direct sunlight. So Scott says, well, how long is this going to take you? And I said, well, you know, I, I need to give it five, ten minutes probably once, you know, the sun's good here. And uh, he's like, okay. You know, you could, see, you could see he really wanted to get going. I said, look, not a problem. You know, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm completely self-sufficient. I've paddled, you know, probably thousands of solo miles. So, you know, just take off and I'll catch up at the next stop, you know. So he's, he's good with that. But then... Uh, Kurt stayed with me. And so, you know, which was really cool of him to do, right? Because he didn't need to. Right. So Scott went out and, and, you know, led the group down the river and, and uh, set up another sweep with the, the guys that were more experienced. And uh, I was going to harass him too, though. Like when they left, like they were leaving me there, I was going to do like, you know, the overly dramatic scene from Platoon, you know, where the guy's <laughs> on his hands and <laughs> on his knees and he's, you know, his hands up in the air and stuff. So I was going to make a big scene. So, you know, but because Kurt stayed with me, I didn't have to do that. So, you know, it was good. And, but you got it. Uh, it worked. No problems though. You know what? I got a little bit of water in initially and then it just, it ended up, it just locked solid. Sealed and up. I think, it, yeah, I mean, it was, it was perfect. So then after that, um, the next several days, no worries whatsoever. So, uh, it's called Gator Patch. Um, the, the company is Gator Guard. And you can get a sheet. Uh, with, I think it's like a 9 by 12 sheet or something like that. I think it is about $70. Wow. And I tell you what, it's worth every penny of it. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are smaller sheets you can get, right? So there's like a 3 by 6 patch, which would have worked on this perfectly, right? Um Kurt had the 9x12, and I cut out a, a patch to put on there. They make uh, kayak keel guards. They do a lot of stuff for other kinds of boats, too, right? Fishing right. boats and that kind of thing. But they make, uh, like, a 3-inch three, uh, three by 18-inch keel guard. And so you can just put on the on the keel 
of the boat. So if you're dragging over rocks or, you know, you know, the stuff is awesome. This stuff is amazing. So I am going to get some of this and put it in the emergency kit. And uh, this is something that I'll, I'll definitely continue using. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. In fact, I think what I'm going to do is is get a, a set of it and hit some of these other spots that look a little thin. And, He's uh, just, just going to build himself a new boat. Well, <laughs> that would be funny, right? <laughs> Who makes your boat? Gator skin. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, you know, that, that actually ended up working out really well. So the route that you were paddling there, is it, is it all wilderness or are you going through some urban areas? Well, it's through, it's, you know, generally most of this is, is protected. Okay. So you see very, very few buildings along the way. Uh, a handful of houses, you'll see the occasional outfitter shop, you know, uh, canoe rental places and such, raft rental places. In the summer, this is like a big party river. Oh, okay. So that's one great thing about going the off-season like this and midweek in the off-season. That's the other thing, you know, the way Scott set it up. So, you know, we'd see other people out there. And the further the further down you went, where the, the river starts to smooth out and the drop the elevation drop isn't as you know extensive. Then you see more people, right? But not a lot of buildings at all, and so that was great. And you know, so the outfitters have, you know, they had some food and stuff. There were a couple places that uh, had beer, which is you know, of course, important. Um, <laughs> so, and we had we had actually set up a we had like a, a secondary economy going on the trip. So it was it was there was a barter economy trading. Sausages, for example, that I brought down, uh, Wisconsin sausages for beer. There was a lot of that going on. Well, beauty, um, okay. Yeah, so that was that was kind of cool, you know. Um, how how many uh, sausages for a can of beer? Well, it depended on on who was driving the bargain and how good a beer they had. Ah. So generally, it was one sausage to one beer. Really? And uh, yes, but wow. then, but then and. As uh, beer Andrea. gets lower, though, I'm sure the yeah, value yeah, goes up. Value, yeah, if that beer goes, <laughs> the value up. goes up. But the flip side of that, of course, is that you know the sausage isn't going to stay good forever, right? So they're because I'm down. in a you kayak. Get rid of them. I don't. Yeah. So you have to. You know, that's also sort of starting to get scarce. So you know, uh, Andrea had a really good uh, Hefeweizen, so I traded her two sausages for a Hefeweizen. You know, so this is. These are important things when you're out in the wilderness. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> a fluctuating <laughs> underground economy. Underground economy. Yeah. yeah. We were sausage we setting up beer com- commodity. Yeah. <laughs> we were yeah. setting up trades, and uh, then we got to a spot where the Jack's Fork River comes in, and there's an outfitter there, and it was like, wait a minute, if they have beer, so like I got up on the, you had to walk up the hill, so I got up, you know, kind of above everybody, and I turned around, and said, okay, look. They have beer in here. All sausage trades are off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, and they did. There so, was a large yeah. nosedive in the beer trading commodities today, <laughs> but sausages are up. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, um, but, you know, uh, it was good. It was, um, you know, you're, you're paddling through these areas. We did, the the first day was, was short, and it was like maybe six miles. And then the rest of it, it was about, uh, 20, you know, so it was 15 to 20 a day, kind of, if you averaged it out. So that was, you know, it was a, it was, 
you were paddling most of the day, you'd get to a rock bar, you'd start looking for a rock bar around five o'clock. Generally, you'd be you'd find something decent within an hour, and you'd set up uh, just before dark, and then you get a fire and and you know spend time laughing with really good people. Cool. You know, like yeah. when you we can get a group of people together. Depend. It doesn't matter what their paddling um, levels are like. If you can help people yes. out along the way, but if they're right. a, a happy group. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really it really makes your your time on the water a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was the wildlife like? Uh, there wasn't a lot of wildlife out there. A lot of bird life. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the pileated woodpeckers and kingfishers and you know uh, some cranes. Some more construction. That kind of stuff. What's that? Construction what? cranes. What? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there were some, some people saw some otters and some of the rapids that were kind of poking their heads up and going back under, you know, as the boats came by. Right. But, um, we didn't see a lot and and I was a little surprised because again, you know, you're, you're paddling through these areas that look so pristine, right? Yeah. You You figure more people. Yeah. Yeah. And and with, uh, and animals too. Right. Yeah. So that was, um, you know, that was pretty great. Hmm. Sounds like a fantastic trip. It does. You know what? It really was. It was one of the, you know, one of the better trips I've ever taken, to be totally honest. I would go back out, you know, Scott's doing some other stuff with bull moose. He's going to do some winter uh, winter camping stuff. He's going to do these, one of the things that he's looking t- to do is do these skill, like, clinics or uh, seminars on a fairly regular basis over in the Twin Cities area. And so, you know, that's that's a pretty cool thing. Um, who knows what's going to happen here is, you know, like we say, is, as with COVID goes on, um, but you know, it's this, the, and there was, there were, you know, things with this group where, you know, you kind of space yourselves out, but you were outside. Um, and so, you know, you, you felt a little bit more comfortable that way, you know? Um, Um, now not just not talking about the group and stuff like that, but the the river itself, the current river itself. Would you go yes. back? Heartbeat. Yeah. In fact, I'm I'm going to go back uh, next month. I think a friend has some time off work, and um, we're chatting about maybe going down there. I'd like to hit the Jack's Fork and see what that's like. Right. But uh, the issue may be water level on that one. Well, uh, this time of year, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But see, like now with with the current, we could go back to there even if it's next month because of these springs. You know, these springs are, I mean, some of these springs are, are pushing out, you know, so much water. Yeah, that it doesn't have uh, as much effect as if like, yeah. rain and stuff like that, right? Right. So I definitely head back down there again, you know. Um, there were, you know, there's, like I said, there's there are a number of outfitters along the way, so we could either take down a boat or rent something down there. There's some good hiking trails, um, you know, so it's, yeah, I'd go back in a heartbeat. Awesome. Yeah. Well, maybe one day we'll actually get down there with you. I'd like yeah, to. Yeah, you know, it? it would be nice, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of people out there, it is, which is good and bad, right? Well, it's um, only 14 and a half hours from our, from Toronto. Drive time? Yeah. 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 14 and a half hour drive time, which is nothing. So that's a day. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a day to get down there and absolutely worth it. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just the, 
you know, there was one spot where we stopped for lunch and you're looking at this huge bluff and, you know, uh, John and Will had, had swam over to a tree on the other side at the base of the bluff and had climbed up and were jumping in the water and, you know, but it was like just that spot, you're just sitting there and it's warm. You're like, man, this is, this is really hard to beat. <laughs> you didn't do any fishing, did you? I didn't. Um, and I'm trying to think, I don't think, I don't think anybody else did now that I think about it. Um, Cause you got could a be lazy wrong. river that you can just float down. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect for, for fish. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, you know, the lower part, you could do that. The upper part, uh, you definitely, you had to watch it. I mean, the first day when we got in, uh, it was, you know, there were a lot of these little shoots and, and these corners were really tight. And there, like I said, there's a lot of strainers. So, um, you know, I think John and Jessica had gone around one corner and he caught a tree. And when I say he caught a tree, I mean, he had his arms wrapped all the way around it. Oh. Um, holding the boat up as, you know, as water starts to come in and everything. And, um... I was down tucked in an eddy and had turned around, you know, to make sure everyone was all right coming through. And uh, so as he's holding on, you know, and that was, you know, that's one of the things you do too, right? You, you lean into the tree, you hold on the same, you lean into a rock, whatever, right? Cause you don't want to, you don't want to expose the, the gunwale to the, to the current cause it'll take it and flip your boat. Right. Yeah. So he's hanging on and it's like, he's like, he was like, I don't know what to do. And then, Caleb and Andrea came in right behind them, and they they actually hit them, and it knocked them off of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like, what you do. <laughs> well, that that's how that works, you know. Um, and there was, um, I think uh, Justin and Will had gone over one day too, um, you know. And, and and again, there's there's a lot of logs. Uh, this stuff came out at angles and everything, but they were fine. It just went over. They bailed it, um, and then horsed it across the kind of the deeper water into a rock bar and uh, where we were waiting with them. You know, we had people set up, uh, Kurt had people downriver where they were standing to catch anything if it came down. Scott and I had throw bags, but, you know, Justin and Will just just horse that across with no problem. So, right. you know, I mean, stuff like that. But it's, you know, um, so you, you have to pay attention. It's a river you have to pay attention on, particularly up in the, the upper area of it. Right. Well, it sounds like you had a good time, though, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. It was great. It was great. Cool. When's your next trip? Because apparently uh, you're doing trips nonstop. <laughs> don't I wish? You know, here's the thing. I take some trips in the fall, and so everybody thinks you do these year round. But while everyone is out taking these great summer trips, I'm mowing my yard three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's so all, all an illusion. That, that's right. For all you people that were having great summers, I was mowing my lawn. So this is my, you know, this is my time to get out. Spring and fall. So, Spring and fall. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to try to do a different river down there just to see something different. But, you know, even if it's a thing where I can't to go back and paddle this river again, maybe a little bit more, you know, start a, a little higher up or, you know, certainly paddle it farther south. As you know, there's... We always talk about, I mean, even you talk about like, oh, we got to go north, got to go north, got to go north. But the mm -hmm. more I look at stuff, there's more and more places that I'd love to go in south in the southern states. There's so much yeah. to and explore. Do. There's yeah. an incredible amount. Yeah. It, it's like, I, there's, there's yeah. you know, I mean, the only problem is like if I can get up north in six hours here 
as opposed to 15 hours south. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know, it's, it's, uh, but I, I think within the next couple of years, I think there's going to be some, uh, far south exploration going (laughs) on. I, you know, and, uh, the people that we did run into down there were great. Um, you know, everybody was pretty cool. People on the river were great. It was, you know, yeah, I, I go back in a heartbeat. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for that, John. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, I think, well, I don't have anything else for today. Derek, what about you? I'm just Googling the current river here. You're Googling, <laughs> now you're Googling the current river? We've been talking well, about I'm, it for the last 40 I know, but minutes. but I'm exploring the area. I'm, I'm looking what else is there. Tons mm-hmm. of hollows. Yes, yes. Well, this hollow, you know, that hollow, yes. these hollows, as, that hollow. Yes. As we discussed earlier. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, if you go down there now, so that's not far from the Buffalo River, which is also a national river. Yeah. Uh, but the Buffalo is really dependent on rainfall. And so I, cause I was thinking, well, geez, if I go down there to take it, you know, Scott's trip, maybe I'll just bounce over and pick up the Buffalo. Cause that's the one that when I went to Texas, I was going to hit on the way and it was in flood stage. Well, now it's the opposite where there's been no rain and all of the outfitters down there have stopped renting boats. Right. So, so you got to sort no, of get in the middle next time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, so I go back down and see what happens, but there's a lot of paddling down there. Yeah. Sounds like it. That's for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So I can, uh, the other thing I, I just want to, uh, suggest to people, if you got a few minutes, go check out Scott's site, bullmoosepatrol.com and, Take a look at, he has a lot of safety info on there. And I think it's, you know, it's a, a definitely a good resource to look at. He's got some radio interviews that he does, uh, weekly radio interviews, which are great. And uh, it's it's all listed there. So if you have a few minutes, go check out the, go check out the website. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, maybe, maybe we'll put a link to that on our uh, Facebook page. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that'd yeah. be good. All righty. Uh, you got anything else, John? Well, Derek's I just tired and so. looking to go home. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to think of something here. Just keep him longer no. and longer and longer. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> last, like when we were in the garage recording, it was so That's hot. Right. Yeah. And you oh, would yeah. stop so talking. I, wanna, I did, I did forget one thing that I'd like to talk about. Um, sure. When I was three years old. Oh, oh the three-year-old story. story. This is a good yeah. one. It only talks about. 25 minutes. Yeah. So you got to hear this, Derek. Back. Get comfortable, Derek. <laughs> Derek, where are you going? <laughs> Simon's going to have to sign off for me. Ah, uh, uh, well, thanks for coming on, John. Yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, it's always you. a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking forward to hearing fun. about this uh, this trip you did. So uh, I'm glad we finally got to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just awesome. And now we're going to spend the next couple of weeks just Googling stuff up and down the current, <laughs> the current river. And the future. Well, you know, yeah. you guys can fly over, right? You can fly into airports here and I can pick you up. But don't we have to uh, quarantine, quarantine for two for weeks? for two weeks. Can we Let's quarantine see. on a river? Oh. Yeah. So you fly home and quarantine in Algonquin backcountry or something. Yeah. Yeah. See, this way you could double your vacation time. See, if I've got a quarantine, when I get back, I have to quarantine at my house. And if I'm working from my house, uh-uh. so there's well, a two see. weeks, right? <laughs> and if I can go. go down there and quarantine for two weeks on a river, mm-hmm. 
winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> Done deal. All right. We'll see you on Tuesday, buddy. <laughs> uh, all right. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can listen or stream. You can download from iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. If you go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com, you can listen to all 246 episodes. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, share it on social media, share it with your grandma, whatever. Um, It would be mostly appreciated. Muchly. Appreciate it. Mostly? Muchly? <laughs> yeah, it's getting late, greatly. buddy. Greatly. <laughs> that's it. Greatly appreciated. Uh, again, thanks for coming on this week, John. Thank you. Derek, thanks for coming on this week. <laughs> thanks for hanging around and putting up with our, our garbage. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs>